Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to a transcontinental episode of everyone's favorite podcast, JU Israel, The Teacher's Lounge, a product of Jerusalem U, where we try to keep you in touch with what's going on in Israel, give you insight into deeper issues and what's going on beyond the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, as here always with my co-host, Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? It is going, Mike. And how are you enjoying uh, the the uh, beautiful weather in the United States of America? Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, actually, it's not. I was really hoping for much cooler weather. There was some rain, which was interesting. But uh... all right, you've tuned into Climate Podcast, where we just yeah, yeah no, it's not. A, it's not. A, I, I don't think I, I'm actually enjoying my weather here in Gush Etzion probably more than you're enjoying the weather in Philadelphia. I'll say what my daughter said this morning. She said, it's so green here. It's so pretty. Yeah. You know, because we came from, you know, brown Israel in the middle of the summer. Right. Because it so. rains all summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I miss I miss thunderstorms. And we are also here sitting in the same room as Alan in our oh, cross-Atlantic wow. podcast. <laughs> Alan is now on Lior's side. How's it going, Lior? Doing well. Doing yeah. well. Very, yeah, is very it- excited to be chilling with Alan. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the outsider this time, and you guys you guys are on the same side of the pond. What? How does it feel to be on the outside? I'm used to it. I'm always on the outside. <laughs> Never on the inside. Oh. Yeah. That's okay. Likes it. That. Yeah. Okay. So, Lior, I know that uh, you've had something in your head recently that you wanted to talk about in today's episode. Can you sort of fill us in, give us a context for today's conversation? Sure. So I've been following um, the exploits of Miri Regev, um, Israel's culture minister, um, lately, and thinking about the kind of the different clash of Jewish civilizations, as we were um, talking about in our WhatsApp group the other day, and really thinking about the different issues around um, freedom of expression in Israel and how they how it comes up against um, traditional Jewish values, and Basically, what do we do with um, these conflicting ideologies um, when they when they conflict, when when they don't conflict, and what that looks like when we're when we're talking about Israel with our students, how we explain some of these issues, and really really looking forward to having a conversation with you guys about it, seeing as you are experiencing a lot of this firsthand. So I see the current culture war situation as an example of it, but there's also um, certainly a lot of different pieces of it that are, you know, in the news off and on that we see over here in America. Um, and I know that you guys experience there kind of on the daily. So that's where well, I'm sitting. That's what I'm thinking of. Well, that's true. So can we give just a little, uh, can you guys explain who Miri Regev is just very briefly, just so we have a context and why her name pops up in the news? Who's taking it? Uh, Miri Regev is a minister of culture and sport. Uh, and she's from the Likud so party. So you're saying that our government has a minister of culture and sport. In other words, a uh, trivial pursuit category is a ministry in our government. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that. And her job is to basically the job of the ministry of culture and sport, which basically, uh, by the way, has a religious also department in it, who my Rob, you could say, was the head of for over 20 years. By Yochanan Fried, um, he uh, so the Ministry of Culture and Sport is really uh, 
basically a funding for culture and sport in Israel. The idea is that they get a budget and then they give it out to to promote different uh, you know activities in Israel. Um, so it's really government government funded arts and sports and sports. Right, government funded arts and sports, and that that's basically it's more or less not a major ministry, but you do get the benefits of being a minister. Um, but it's not seen as, you know, one of the heavy duties like security, defense, I don't know, uh, some of the foreign, foreign, you know, affairs, that kind of thing. Kind of um, hard to blow it and be controversial. You just got to show up at events and give check. make Write people check. feel good and, for, and make sure that the checks are going through. So then what has she done that is controversial? Well, she's talking about um, really adding some power to the position. She wants to... Um, not fund um, art and like basically cultural institutions or artists that are um, counter to what she sees as or what the party sees as or the government sees as um, counter to the values of the state of Israel or to Judaism. Um, so if there is something that is coming up as a neg negative expression to Israel that she sees as anti-Israel, for instance, she doesn't necessarily feel that the government needs to fund that. And there we're coming into um, some interesting clashes there because you have artists who are on the left who are saying this is freedom of expression, you're anti-art, you're anti-all um, kinds of things, and she's saying government funds. Um, I don't need to fund something that is trashing the state of Israel. So it's um, you have like that kind of aspect when we're talking about conflicting ideologies, which is really interesting. So right. So uh, so a couple of things. One, so just we'll make clear that they're not we're not talking about um, forbidding certain kind of performances right. or this or that. And I say it's about government funding, funding. government funding. Um, and then, so the question, it comes real, like, how are the guidelines drawn about how government chooses to, to fund different activities or events? Well, even before that, but I guess we're going to skip over it and just take it as, as a given. It's a normal thing for governments to fund art. We're going to take that as a norm. I mean, I, I think mean, it I, is in democracies around the world. I think it is. I mean, look at the United States, National Public Radio, PBS. Smithsonian's, you know. Correct, and all the more so in European countries where they, the government runs whole networks and funds things. I just want to put out there that there is a possibility of questioning as sort of a, uh, I don't know if it's a libertarian impulse, but you can solve the whole problem by just not having government fund the arts. The art, art, there should be patrons for the arts, and patrons, you know, art, that's a, maybe a more traditional pre-modern model. But the government itself doesn't have to fund public art, and then we could avoid the question. But that does seem to be the norm. In but that would that would certainly run. I, I think that would run. I think that would run um, against traditional Zionist values and ideology. Say that the government wouldn't fund the arts because if we look back at it, right? We, if we look at our different streams we've talked about before of Zionism, one of the major streams of Zionism was cultural Zionism. And was the, the idea of creating a new Jewish culture. That's um, true. But the leader of cultural Zionism, Achara Am, basically felt that the time and energy that Herzl's political Zionist philosophy was putting into the endeavor 
wasn't where the fo- where he felt the focus of the energy should be. In other words, those can be parallel tracks. They don't have to work together. The government doesn't... Obviously, we're all very concerned that Jewish culture and Israeli culture flourishes and that artists have voice. We're going to take that as a given also. But I'm just bringing up, and I don't know that we want to get too deeply into this question... Even A.D. Gordon, I mean, even the other Zionist movements, like A.D. Gordon in the social science talks about recreating Zionist culture. So I think it's, it is part and parcel of what, what, what vision a, gov, a Zionist government doing. The libertarian, the libertarian response would be those are all important things to have in a society and no healthy society would ever exist without them. And so funding will be found one way or the other. It should not be the province of the government because once you bring in government, now the government has to start choosing – so maybe what's I'm asking appropriate, a deeper what's question. not appropriate. So maybe I'm asking a deeper question. Is it possible to have uh, is there is there such thing as a libertarian is in Israel? I don't know that there's such a thing really as a libertarian discussion in Europe. I mean, you have these these uh, I know. In, in in the social democratic world, the government is seen as having a central role in most aspects of life, uh, including uh, healthcare, which is so disputed in the states. In most countries, it's a given that government is the place where society comes together to work on these things. So that's why that's why I just bring it up as a as a tangent. Or which is sort what of, really, what this has really sparked me to think about, which is really that that what what is the social contract, right? About social contracts and and how we put our state together, our country together. You know, what is that built on? So it's, it's interesting to me because we're like, yes, we're talking about funding and the arts and something that is blatantly anti-Israel. And that's one piece of this conversation. Um, and then the other piece of the conversation, which is, I think, for me personally, is very interesting is, and most interesting is this idea of the Jewish values piece, because you have that wide range of spectrum of what is a Jewish value and who is interpreting Jewish values and what is a Jewish value. What does a Jewish value mean and whose interpretation is going to kind of win the day? You have that case last summer of the um, the young singer who was at a concert in Tel Aviv and she was, um, I think she was told that she couldn't um, continue to sing because she was in a bikini top and her, outfit, her outfit was like counter to the, the values of the audience, all of whom were like in bathing suits. But she herself, as a performer, had to cover up, even, and that was counter to the values of the Jewish state. So that, so that's that's a yeah. diff, right? So that issue it, really is. It's a different case, but right. it's still kind of part and parcel of this issue of Jewish values in this in the in the public sphere. Um, and how do we? How does how does that come into play? when we're dealing with some of these issues around cultural expression and artistic expression um, and who's making that determination when we don't have a constitution or a bill of rights, we have basic law. Well there, I mean, right. So, so that shifts us to a somewhat different conversation than the government making the call question. That's a broader and harder question, which is probably more what we should focus on, which is how do we as a culture create shared space when you have people who interpret their values so differently? Like that case where she wore a bikini top while she was singing on the stage, I think it was – who told on her to beach. get off the stage? The on what? the beach. It was the, I think it was the concert. It was a beach concert. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the, the, the concert promoter the or whoever, the, the organizers. Yeah. Promoter. They said, you're, you're not, 
I, I don't know what happened exactly. Well, they felt that her performance wasn't appropriate for a family right. audience, whatever that means. I don't, I don't know I'm what that means. What happened, yeah. but uh, I mean, that's what I was getting at. There's this idea of social contract of like, what is the social contract in Israel, you know, for these things? I don't know. I mean, if we're, listen, I don't think anybody would argue that if the concert was indoors and was aimed at her fans that she should be told to get off the stage. But it was sort of an outdoors open, a bunch of different performers, one after the other. And then some concert promoter decided it wasn't family appropriate. It's weird. I I, I guess I, I don't know how much of this is particularly an Israel problem and how much of this is a... No idea. I think it's an Israel problem. I think I think it's. A, you don't think it would happen in the states. I don't think it would happen in the states. Um, I think it's. I think it's. It's coming from a, a place of where you're seeing, um, religious values, clashing with secular values, and clashing with democratic, um, more democratic like freedom of expression values, and this is it's like a classic tension. And where where do we draw the line? And who, and, and you see, and who wins the day? And you see that also as part of the government thing? Is that um, I'm I'm seeing the well, the government's adding another layer of complication. The government to it. adds another layer to it when when Miri Regev says something about Jewish Jewish tradition or Jewish values coming into play when she's determining who she's going to fund. I see that as part and parcel of it because it's the state of Israel. It's the Jewish. It's a Jewish and democratic state, mm. but the Rabbanut is setting Jew, Jewish policy when it comes to certain things, not the government. Who in the government is determining this? It's all intertwined. And right, but I don't think Miri Regev is asking like the Rabbanut or a Rabbi. She's no, sort exactly. of exactly. She's making the call yeah, based on saying... her background. Right. And her background is different than potentially a leftist secular artist's tradition and understanding of Jewish tradition and his Jewish values or her Jewish values. But Miri Regev's Jewish values take primacy over that. Right. So who in this, as I think you, you said in, in our WhatsApp group, the, um, the clash of Jewish civilizations here, who's, who wins the day? Like who is taking place like who's going to um really win if we're talking about modesty if we're talking about artistic expression if we're talking about traditional jewish values um you know what how do we express that in israel well i think when you have separate venues i think it's less of an issue in other words when an israeli city hosts uh, a lgbtq pride parade mm-hmm. uh i don't I, I just from news photos that I've seen, I, I don't know that anybody's complaining about modest dress or things like that, even though it's in a public area. But that that space is more or less for that parade considered open to that uh, constituency, right? Like, just, I don't think anybody's saying, so, "Hey, buddy, uh, so I, you know, you I can't wear those spangled chaps at my parade." I was thinking no, but I was thinking that like. I, I don't know if I can articulate this well. I'll try to, but that we almost live in this world of 
you know, maybe bubbles or whatever. I live in my world and I like, and if I don't want to, you know, come into contact with those, you know, things that are contrary to what I would believe are my cultural values or something. So I just don't go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, do know what you mean. I wonder if I, I think go to the LGBTQ parade. I won't go to the beach because that's not you know to that concert. I won't go maybe to this museum because it right. So we call it we call it a, a, we call these segments of our society these bubbles that we all we each live within our bubble. So it almost reduces, and I wonder if this is some sort of unconscious dynamic going on that we retreat to our bubbles because then we don't have to deal with the problem. Yeah, yeah. We're avoiding the conflict by, well, you know, if you're in if you're in a Tel Aviv art gallery, then you don't have a problem. But if you're in uh, Mea Sharem, then you would have a problem, and it only becomes a problem when uh, there's a meeting of people outside the bubble in a shared space, or when people from Bubble A go into the space of Bubble B. Is it okay but- to live in these bubbles? Is this what is this what living in like the modern state of Israel should be like? Us segregate like different different pockets of Jews who believe different things, segregating themselves in this regard. Well, I don't think homogeneity is ever uh, a healthy thing for a nation. Uh, look, I think I think you don't want a melting pot society, but you do want a mosaic society. In other words, you want a place where people where people do sort of organize. Not necessarily their living space has to be so homogeneous, but you want a place where where people are comfortable in each other's bubbles and not just in your own. I, I don't know that you'll ever have a society where everybody is so well blended that you know that there aren't any bubbles. You know, well, the like, moment you have the moment you have restricted communities. That already sets up, up a standard, no? That seems to me. Oh, that seems to me, I think, unhealthy. In other words, exclusivist communities. If a bubble is exclusivist, then you. But know, you and I both live in those communities. I do not. Why, Efrat is, is You are incorrect, sir. Okay. It's just not. Why? Why other communities that? in the Gush are no. There are other communities in the Gush that it, were in the in the broader neighborhood where I live, where to move into that community. You have to agree. You have to sign that you're going to observe so the Sabbath and, and and things like that. There is in the city where I live. There is no such. So I would say, if it's not lichatchila, it's certainly somewhat bedeavat. I mean, how what what what, what, what populate what what level of diversity is there really in Afrat? That's what I'm saying. Well, diversity. for Gush Etzion, it's a heterogeneous neighborhood, but by my standards, yeah. it's a pretty homogeneous neighborhood. It's, That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But pretty, the it, leans, it leans very traditional, and, and the majority, I think, are, I would say, well, you know, what we would call orthodox. But that's just... Modern orthodox, even. Which are, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. No question about it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So even if we don't sign, I, you know, like, again, in my community, we didn't have to sign either. Ki'ilu, you're supposed to, you know, they were, they won't let, they, you have to serve in the army and keep Shabbat. Those were the two standards for the community that I live in. Right, but I have friends and relatives who live in communities that put a gate down and no one's allowed to drive in or out on Shabbat. Yeah, my community. Right, so, so that is not true in hey, my right. community. People right. drive around. I know, but I'm saying, right, again, but, but, but practically, it's almost homogeneous, the community you live in. Well, I... That bothers me less if it's not by de- if it's not by design, but it's by happenstance. 
I don't feel I think that's a I think that's an important you could say well de facto du jour doesn't matter right. I think it does anyway, but the point well the point in the other day is that Israel it, it, it's it's not unusual to live in bubbles in Israeli community like total bubbles right that's my that's my point that there's very and so that also spreads over to to culture and to well if to you live in, if you live in the UK and you live in the north and you live in the south it's going to be very different if you live in Wales you know if you live in uh, Brighton or if you live in Manchester or London, it's going to be different. If you live in the U.S. and you live in New York or you live in Houston, it's going to be different. If you live in L.A., it's going to be different again. So that's unless, not unless you're choosing to self-segregate. Unless you're saying I want to. Well, unless you're, you're you're shutting off the city and saying we don't want their kind in here, or you're saying I'm the real Brit. And and somebody from Manchester isn't because I'm from London, or I'm the real American because I'm from you know Corpus Christi, and you're from uh, you're from Long Island, or if you say I'm the real Israeli or I'm the real Jew, it's in Texas because I'm from uh, you know because I'm from Gush Etzion where the real Israelis are, the real Zionists are. So there's there's. I don't know that I don't know that we should ever aspire to, which I think everyone would agree. I, I don't know. I take that back. Not everybody would agree. We don't want to aspire to homogeneity. Yeah, I think there. I think in fact Israel is the opposite. I think many many people in Israel aspire to homogeneity. Yeah, and that's I, what that's I took this it whole. Back. What? I took it back. I, I think that is and that's that is what the, the discussion of the cultural of the, of the cultural expression is is that everybody wants their cultural expression to the exclusion of others. Right, right. So I well, okay. So then, and, and then we still have our two yeah. levels. We have our what's the government's job, and then how do the bubbles interact comfortably? Correct. And the government one, I'm going to defend Mary Regev, and maybe good, that's good. just me being a devil's advocate. No, no, uh, you should because there is a there's a. I don't necessarily think that she's incorrect in what she's saying about the government not. Sorry, yeah. I jumped. In. If you I, do, I, jumped, I jumped in and defended her for you. Right. Right. So let me give an example to uh, defend Lior's defense of Miri Regev. <laughs> Let's say somebody does uh, wants to put on a play about horrible and the play. The content of the play is horrible Israeli soldiers who murder Palestinian children. Just a total false defamation of of the Israeli army. And they want to put that play. And they're in a, a group that gets funding from the government. I, I don't know that I would want my tax dollars going to that you know i'll go see a play i saw a play a couple years ago at the comrie theater in tel aviv about you know soldiers in an outpost and the social struggles they have that was very provocative and hard-hitting but it was from the perspective of his of israeli soldiers and the struggles they go through it wasn't defaming the state it wasn't anti-israel it was provocative and thought-provoking i don't know that i would want my tax dollars going to a play that was defaming that was literally anti-zionist in its in its perspective and messaging i don't have a problem with that that the government shouldn't pay for that uh, i mean in fact again uh, i think it's a given that the government has to make standards upon which it it um funds projects the question is then well how much freedom of expression because that, that money is controlled then. Because then you're supporting, right? Then you're supporting a certain voice is being heard. 
that was a, that, those were part of the arguments over the broadcasting wars about creating a new broadcasting that was, right. was going to be free speech or not. It happened in the the novel, the uh, the Arab, I think it's an Arab Israeli, I don't remember if it was a Palestinian Israeli or a Palestinian um, novel that Naftali Bennett took out of the reading list of high schools or something like that. If you, remember, you know, all these across the boards. How much, what's the balance between supporting freedom of expression and encouraging freedom of expression but yet also not like you're saying defaming or or what have you or right because money is power and it will help that i, I don't know that's like the answer but it certainly well you did make a good suggestion in other words there should be a set of criteria for funding that a play like that should not have met in other words not that the not that mary ragov should be saying afterwards well i don't like that play don't fund it but when that play sent in their application, it should not have it should have, should not have met the standard. And just and by the way, the and the crazy thing again, the the I I'm, I think it's a dysfunctional thing about Israeli Israeli politics and society is that so then the people Miri Regev gets challenged in the Supreme Court and then they turn it over and then like she loses. So right. it's like it's like this free for all. It's like. And I, I, it goes back to that social contract. I, and I keep harping on it, but I don't think we have a real social contract in Israel. What, there isn't what, what, we, what, we're, what we're trying to do, what we see as our ultimate, you know. Um, I've made this point before, and I always see it through this lens. So here's, here's my bias. The Anglo-Saxon world over the last several centuries has bought so heavily into this idea of a social contract that you create rules and structures that everyone lives by and makes life better. The Mediterranean world and the Middle Eastern world is a clash of wills that has not – it accepts that there's, there needs to be rules to play by, but those rules are there just sort of as guideposts. And really there's a clash. It's to minimize the damage in the clash of wills. So this country becomes very much, I, I think, an expression of a clash of wills. I, I, I guess I, – can you give like some other – except for that, for, for that, uh, for that concert – can you give some other examples that illustrate where these clashes come to actual life and are you know aren't theoretical? Well, you had the LGBTQ parade that that was solved maybe four or five years ago, but that was a major clash four or five years ago. What that uh, they didn't want to have it, one in Jerusalem, you mean? The one in Jerusalem, sorry, the particular one in Jerusalem where you had the I don't want to say bizarre, but interesting. Uh, I'll say interesting. Um, where the Muslim, Christian, and Jewish leadership of the of Jerusalem gathered together, banded together to try and prevent the LGBTQ parade from happening in and, Jerusalem, and joined together to protest it once it was held. And joined, and joined, held uh, but nice that was sort yeah, of unity is good. <laughs> that was somewhat solved five or six years. I can't remember now when basically it happened. At first, it happened I think in a closed stadium, and then they moved it to the street, but. But but that was a big clash that went on for quite some time trying to trying to work it out. Segregated um, buses. Yeah. There you Segregated go. buses. No, they're, they're, um, I'm I I I don't want to go through the the ins and outs of the segregated buses because I'm not 100 percent up on them. I believe that they're <coughs> privately funded now. Or mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, so I think they that are. was a court battle that they were getting right. some state funding and then it was there was a suit that. Um, that if you want to segregate that way, it has to be privately funded. The state won't contribute just to segregated busing. But that's, that is very recent. 
Yeah, very recent. It used to be totally cool, and if you, but if you ended up on a bus and you didn't, that you didn't realize was segregated, and you didn't want to sit on a segregated bus, even if it was like a de facto situation, you could be subject to abuse by your passengers. There are still, there are still, I think, de facto buses that that sort of that people sort of lean that way. But I think they've clamped down on abusive behavior enough that at least it's not hitting the news. No, if someone walks on the bus and decides to sit in the other section or there's only a seat there, they, they, it's more or less the bus drivers today are instructed to, and, you, and I, I think usually do stand up for the passenger to be able right. to sit wherever they are. But that's, a, that's, that's an egg. I don't, I don't like egg Don, the big companies that well, service. They fund it, yeah. Yeah, the but service. It's also, thing. it's not, that's not just cultural expression, that's religious expression. Right. My daughter resented, uh, you know, travel, being sent to the back of the bus like Rosa Parks. Right. Because, you know, that's, that's what the, that was the rule on that bus. She said, you know, she just felt as a, as a, as a, a person who learned American history in high school, she just found that uh, a bizarre experience. Sure. Um, there, there are issues with um, uh, women performing in, uh, in, in ceremonies or things like that. State ceremonies. Well, in the military, that was a problem when, it, when at a military no. ceremony, and the religious soldiers, uh, the you know the observant soldiers, the Orthodox soldiers, protested. They didn't want to hear women singing. Right. Um, I, I mean, again, and by the way, that clash and why is that clash particularly happen in, in the army? Because as more and more Haredim are, are drafting into the army and they're creating Haredi all units, but they want them to be part of the army and to join, it becomes a clash. So now you have two, two ideals that are clashing. You want to integrate. On the other hand, how much are you willing to give up of your you know, cultural ideals to bring that integration to happen. Right? I think that's a great example of conflict, but I just want to throw in a monkey wrench other factor that I would say that as the religious Zionist world becomes more, I don't, I don't know if black and white is the right term, but leans, becomes more conservative and more Haredi-esque. The what? Part of that world, at least. Yeah. Part of that world really is leaning more to, so you have the Haredis coming in, but you also have the religious Zionist world moving more towards the Haredi world. And so... That things that wouldn't have been an issue 30, 40 years ago, you know, become issues of conflict today. I mean, you see that with uh, the one of the Roshay Shivas or Roshay Mechinot at Eli. Mm-hmm. That whole How cultural so? war that, that uh, Explain. Bringing, the, bringing those issues out. Explain. Um, that he, part of this also what's happening with internet and, and YouTube and so Rav, El, not Eli Sadan, that was the other, the other one, Lowenthal, Rav, I forgot his name for a second. When the Ramanim, anyway, he gave a, a whole uh, of talks in a Sikhot um, that were very provocative. Um, one, and one big particular big issue that's happening in that world that Michael specifically is referring to today is about women serving in the army and mixed units between men and women, mixed units, especially combat units that are, that are happening now. And he was very provocative and very anti and said very demeaning things about people who serve in those units and, and whatnot. Um, uh, again, not, 
it, it's part of this clash of you of, of cultures of values of uh, uh, and how much you integrate them and how much and he, one of the big problems of course is that Mechina is a pre-army seminary. They a pre-army seminary that are funded by the army. And yeah, it's coordinated. It's fully through, yeah. and it's funded. So it is big problems. So I'll give one personal um, thing. My sons and my son swearing in ceremony. He's in the Givati unit. The army band. It's very exciting, and we're sitting there, and the army band comes on, and there are all these like guys, and like half of them are more religious, and the army band are playing. They start playing these religious songs, and it's really exciting. <clears throat> and then we look, we realized what, what was what was happening. Like it took a little bit. That why was this? Well, because Givati now has a Haredi. Givati is an infantry unit, and they have a Haredi unit that serves in there. And clearly, it was to be sensitive to that. <coughs> um, he so, says as he coughs up a lung. Are you getting choked up picturing your son swearing in ceremony? As a religious, right? As, as someone who's religious Zionist and who identifies with that, I was like very inspired by that and we were you know we were very well on the other hand you look around and but the truth is 95 percent of people didn't or more maybe everybody didn't even notice they were clapping and singing and, and you know and they played mixed of religious songs and and you know those israeli religious songs that like you know mashiach that everybody knows and this the traditional israeli song it was but now you have a now you have something so, that you know in theory or at least idealistically was something that was kind of an equalizer, right? Like this, this right, idea. Right, because really shared ground. Really, army as um, as an equalizer, where you have something that's breaking down bubble the bubble, mm -hmm. and now isn't it great? Oh. You can come in and you can stay in your bubble, and then you can leave and you can go back to your bubble. Um, and we see our. I mean, well, that's the army, right? <laughs> Right, but it was that, only semi-breaking down the Bible because not, the the right. guys were in their own unit. No, like that's, no, but separate. that's what I'm saying. Like I'm being sarcastic. Uh, like you're coming. I'm in. sarcastic. Sorry, you're and my I'm sarcasm. sitting here. And I'm sitting right here. I'm here. All I do is emanate sarcasm, <laughs> Alan. <Come> on. <laughs> it must be the jet lag. I literally feel it through the computer screen, <laughs> radiating. <laughs> but you know, you're coming in. You're staying, you're in your bubble, you're coming from your bubble, you can stay in your bubble with your boys, mm -hmm. um, and you can go back to your bubble. Well, you can, and you can. In other words, army is where a lot of these things come to a head. Hopefully, but, you know, if you, like, there's all of these tensions, but you've got your, like, your Rob saying you don't need to hear your female singer, you can, aren't, aren't they supposed, like, there's things, and I'm not, like, obviously 100% paying attention to all of this, but you see the, I see the headlines about um, this rabbi says that you should um, pick up a book to, um, if there's a female singer or something coming out that you, you don't believe in and make it clear that you're not paying attention, you're not a part of whatever is going on in that particular um, ceremony that's happening in the army. To make sure that nobody, that people know that you're not paying attention to it, like yeah, that may not be a valid military solution. Like that's not no, it's not a valid military solution. But you're not. That means that they're not integrated into something that's supposed to be an equalizing experience. Well, I think that what you're getting at, and this is something, yeah, I, th I think to Israelis, you know, like in this regard. It's the shared experience. Well, I, I, but I think what you're pointing to is something that I think is uh, a very important point, and I don't think it gets articulated enough. I think there's an expectation in the Orthodox world 
that others should accommodate to the orthodox. Because uh, bec there's this sort of self-conception that because we're the culture that lives with more stringency, then people are going to have to leave their comfort zone for, in order to share space with us. And I, I don't think that works in Israel. I think everybody has to leave their comfort zone and find a way to live together. Uh, I don't think it can be unidirectional. I just don't see how that's workable. Does, does work, doesn't work in America either. I mean, I know from dialogue with different people in the reform movement and what, what have you, movement, that, that they, they get very annoyed with that. Oh, well, they won't come to our synagogue. We're, whenever there's a dialogue, we have to go to them. You know? Yeah, it's a very self-defeating kind of approach, I think. And it's and it's I mean look, I, I think it comes from that weird I, I used to ask my students, um, you know, why are Reformed Jews reform and orthodox, my Orthodox students? And and unfortunately they would answer, Well, they just don't feel like doing all the things that we do. Okay. And they didn't understand that they're they're in other words Having having a machitza separating between men and women in a synagogue is a values problem for people who don't believe that that's a healthy way for you know for society to move forward. So Orthodox Jews often feel like, well, we shouldn't have to sacrifice because I don't know I don't know how to define it exactly. It's not just that it's not just that Orthodox Jews think they're right. It's that they think everyone should adapt to us because we can't compromise and they can. Right. Well, but, because it's, it's a matter of Orthodox Jews see halacha as binding, and the Reform do not. Um, and conser conservative Jews see halacha as binding, but I don't know. I mean, this is not like theologically accurate according to conservative Judaism, but like I think there's an elastic clause, right? Like a little bit. Yeah, everybody right? has like elastic clauses. No, but I mean, there's, but there's just, like maybe the, a little bit more elastic. There's, a, there's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a there's, there's, it, there's, a, there's a looser rubber band. Right, it's a different degree okay. of elasticity, and and, and I, I think that I guess what I'm suggest I, I think that those things are true, and I do think the Orthodox Jews, if you're bound by halacha, then you are bound by halacha. But I think, uh, and that's sort of I guess Alan's point, you have to look for ways within halacha to leave your comfort zone and share space and show respect to the different segments of society to create places to interact. Respect is the key word there. And I think what it comes down to is that it's the focus on observing halakha and the lack of respect to your fellow Jew, regardless of his observance of halakha, that people tend to forget about. Um, that's uh, the, that is kind of like at the bottom of all of this. I would talk. Or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. clearly in Israel. That's, that's clearly that's the case in is. Israel. It's, if you what, don't do as I do, then you are not a Jew. That's a very big halachic problem, obviously, because, you know, treating your fellow Jew with great respect and, and as at least as much respect as you would want yourself is obviously a fundamental biblical law that it doesn't really matter what kind of Jew you are. That, that should be an animating, driving uh, – uh, foundation to all, how you answer any of these questions. That if anything I'm doing makes you feel disrespected, then I violated uh, Jewish law, principle, and values. So I have to always, you know, whoever it is has to be showing respect to the others. And I and I fear that is not that is not the case. Yeah. Oh, well, how do we put a positive spin on that? 
We could talk about Netanyahu's uh, impending indictment. Oh, that's too depressing. <laughs> Let's just say this. <laughs> Let's just say this. That I do think, and maybe this is my rosy colored glasses, I do think that the that as these things do get hashed out, in other words, Lior, I, I think Lior's essential question is how do you work these things out? I don't know. I don't know an answer to that. But they do get well, you worked do out. You, always say, you say the answer is the wills. It's the war of wills. That's what it's a contest of wills that should be. When I guess it should be leavened by uh, a, a, a display of great respect and tolerance throughout, and knowing that that I have to uh, that I deserve respect when I'm willing to leave my comfort zone in your bubble, and, and I'll give you the same, you know, welcoming comfort to you in, in when you come into my bubble. And and I, I don't think we're ever going to not live in bubbles, but I think we should visit each other and get to know each other from across our bubbles. I think that's better for everybody. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it really deals with the reality of Israel, but it would be nice. <laughs> you anti-bubbleite. A constitution and a bill of rights and maybe hammer some of these things out <laughs> and go from there. Uh, yeah. I think a constitution and a bill of rights would be useful for any number of reasons, but they don't. They don't. I, I. I. don't think that they would solve these problems. They would just create a set of rules to, to work the on these problems rather than just everybody yelling at each other. Mm. Right. And solution yeah. oriented. I'm trying to think of a sikum kind of thing to say, but I can't. Well, I thought I said a positive one, and then you kind of ratted it out by going like, "Well, yeah, but that's not how life works." <laughs> I. I did because I, I like. Oh, no, Leo's got it. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Bruce on Broadway. Tickets go on sale August 30th. That's positive for you. I live in Israel. It's, uh, Nothing's stopping you from getting on a plane, dude. Uh, my <laughs> bank account is. Exactly. Look at all those cheap flights that are happening now. Hop on a flight to Europe, hop on a flight to the U.S. A real Bruce fan would do it. Ah, oh, ooh, that was fighting. My drop. Ouch. I, I love you, Bruce. You're my <laughs> hero. Bruce is an example of somebody it, who crosses the different cultural uh, let domains. Us just, let us just explain for our audience, some of who may be not either from the Northeast or might be younger, that they're talking about Bruce Springsteen. I'm oh, pretty young. They knew that. You'd Everybody be surprised. Knows. Okay. But, okay. <laughs> so let, let's, let's end in our, in our Bruce uh, afterglow haze of joy. And let me just say that uh, if you can give us some stars on iTunes, that would be awesome, because we're we've only had we have a couple, we had some nice ones, but we need more. Um, and if you're from Japan and you're listening to us, who can explain to me? We are now over a thousand downloads in Japan. Nice. Makes That's no awesome. sense to me. Yeah, we're hitting about six thousand downloads. Like a sixth of our listeners are in Japan. That that's just not right. Uh, but you can feel free, free to contact us. We would really appreciate it. And all that stuff I stick on at the end with that little after thing. So thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Liar. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Alan. Enjoy some good American food. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. This has been JU Israel, the Teacher's Lounge podcast. Please check out our website, juisrael.jerusalemu.org, for episodes, blog posts, and contact information. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you use for podcasts. But you knew that, right? Uh, you can follow our Facebook page at the Teacher's Lounge Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JU Israel Gap. 
please keep in touch with us with questions, comments, feedback, and suggestions. And if you know somebody who would enjoy our podcast in general or an episode in particular, we love it when people recommend us. Thank you, guys. Thank you.